Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Joe Ibanez joins Michael and Nate as we talk about salvation, or as Joe puts it, soteriology. That's a million dollar word, folks. Nate and Joe were out in San Diego for a class and we all decided to sit down and pontificate a bit. So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey Michael, how's it going this week? It's going well, Nate. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. I have a guest with me here today and we are looking at the Pacific Ocean. I got Joe Ibanez. Nice. Hello, Michael. It's good to see you. Hey, Joe. How are you? <laughs> doing good. But I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be looking out over the ocean this entire time. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, a thin sliver of light through my mini blinds into the backyard where I can only see my fence. <laughs> that was really well described. Yeah. Like that should be in a C.S. Lewis book. There's a there's a thin sliver of light out there somewhere, yes. but wait, right behind is I, a fence. I so think I'm still stuck. If I dive into that that sliver of light, that maybe I will end up in Narnia. I'm not sure. Yeah, who knows where it'll take you? Yeah. Yeah, probably not. No, I'd probably just bonk my head on the window. I would imagine. Probably not from Texas. I don't think Narnia reaches to Texas. What? Oh, <laughs> Why are you so hateful? Like, man, I grew up in Texas. I better be careful. You better be careful. Most of your I might with all these tropical places I've been. I'm. I don't know, man. I'm really liking to look at palm trees everywhere I go. Yeah, I'm gonna oh. plant a palm tree in my backyard. <laughs> Nate is all about the palm trees right now. Is he? Like, everywhere he goes, he's like, look at that palm tree. <laughs> I'm so enamored with palm trees. <laughs> So we, you know, we have palm trees in San Marcos. Um, yeah, somebody had to plant them here, but right, but we have them. Yeah, well, it's just not the same when there's not an ocean adjacent. No, there's no ocean. We do have several rivers, but we have some kids down from Mount Vernon, uh, Nazarene. I know, and I'm related That's to one of them, awesome. yeah, distantly. And they came down to visit to see what church planting looked like in. South Texas. And they and they chose you? <laughs> <laughs> they chose Wayfinders or South Texas District I'm just um, to, to look jerk. at things. You, well, yeah. Uh, that's normal. We get that. But um, <laughs> yeah, w- what they did is hey, they think it's tropical weather because, you know, in Ohio, it's really cold. And, oh, and, yeah. And here it's yeah. only... They're like on vacation. Oh, yeah. Right? They're just like... They wore shorts today. It was, <laughs> they were like, what in the world? Yeah, I was like, it's a little cool for shorts. And they're like, yeah, you've been in South Texas long enough that you think it's cool for shorts. but You think it's cool. <laughs> it is not cool. So we've been in class for two and a half days on Ezekiel. And you know, I know what I learned about Ezekiel. Yeah. Oh, boy. No, I don't know. I learned, <laughs> I learned, I learned a lot. Okay. I, I mean, there's some things in Ezekiel that make you blush. Oh, sure. But sure. yeah. I also learned that, you know, 
God's going to save the Israelites for his holy name and not for their sake. Right. Maybe we want to talk about that someday. Oh, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. It'd be a great podcast. We could uh, we could look at Ezekiel twenty three for a podcast. Just go home and read it in your devotions. Yeah, in your tonight. devotions. No, I'm kidding. Pull, pull it up in your U version. We app. actually were given a trigger warning before we read Ezekiel twenty three. Yeah, really? it's no that graphic. Joke. Yeah. So really. So anyway, it was a good class though. It was really good. Um, our professor is probably one of the top five theologians, Old Testament theologians in the Nazarene Church. So, okay. Right, Jeff? That's what he said, yeah. That's what he said. So. He said he wouldn't quite put himself at number one, but definitely top five. No, but he is. He wrote the commentary for Ezekiel. Oh, okay. So it was it was really, really good. I think that alone puts you in top five, right? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. You, yeah, you can't be out of the top five and having, you know, be the... I don't think so. ...written the That's authoritative right. uh, stance. For the church, of the we church. threw Marty Michelson up there somewhere. Did you? Yeah, I figured Marty. You know, he might be. Yeah. He might be number four or number six. Let's. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. How do Going you rank? How do you rank things like that? <laughs> you know. Of course, I like Marty. I, so Marty's number one. What if I just say so? You know, who is? I'm in the top forty preachers in churches of the Nazarene in Oklahoma City. <laughs> top forty. Top at 40. least. I, you know, I know I'm up there. I made Casey Kasem's hit list. <laughs> <laughs> in top the top 40. 40. <laughs> top 40. Oh, goodness gracious. You what know, were you going to say? I, you know you're up there? I was just going to say that, that Joe is definitely in the top uh, top five in the northern area of uh, South Texas. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, you take that. Well, yeah. Um, I think we do have some questions to get to here. Sure. Let's get to them. Um, I guess we messed up last week and we forgot to answer part of the question, right? Well, um, you know, I yeah, Joe I, can't take any blame for this. No, he, he didn't. You got to keep those listeners happy. Yes, answer those questions. <laughs> you know, the listener who asked the question was very pleased with the way that we dealt with the question, but there's a well, that's good. But there's a section of that question about anger and dealing with anger that uh, I feel like we probably should address, and that is, what about when you're angry with God? Mm. What, what? Well, I never get angry with God, so I'll let you two jump in on this one. <laughs> okay, yeah, um, liar. The uh, <laughs> uh, the problem the problem is, is that oftentimes that's our company man answer to the to the question uh, about right, anger with yeah, God. I know yeah. I I could never admit to anger with God because that would that would make the church look bad. That would make God look bad. That would we'd have to protect God's reputation. So I can't be. Unfortunately. We, and we've said this before that unvoiced lament just turns to bitterness, and so when the lament is directed at God, you know, I mean, there's, how many psalms do we have that say, "Where are you? Um, you've right, abandoned yeah. us. Yeah. You, you, we held up our end of the deal, God. I did what you asked, but where are you? You know, that's kind of uh, just an honest approach sometimes, not because the reality is that God has gone somewhere, but because. I feel like he has. That's how we feel. Right. Yeah. Joe, what do you think? We got you here this week. We're going to use your wisdom. Well, I would say this, that in our tribe, uh, kind of the Wesleyan side of things, we tend to be less able to express our anger at God because we're worried about our sanctification. We're worried <laughs> sure. about what it says about us sure. if we're yeah. angry oh, yeah. with God or what God has done in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so at some point, just as a tradition, we're going to have to shake that. 
and learn how to lament and learn how to be confessional. Um, yes. and, and I think we're getting better at that, but it's definitely something I didn't hear much growing up. Uh, people being angry at God, that was all held inside. Right. And I think you're right. I think that turns to bitterness. So the first time I ever actually read through Job, I was really surprised to see a Bible character going toe-to-toe with God <laughs> and releasing all of this emotion and sure. anger. Sure. Um, and so that was big for me, learning that it's it's okay to express anger. Mm-hmm. You know, he said he didn't grow up hearing that because I was his youth pastor. So, <laughs> like I said, I don't get angry with God. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I got a great story to tell. We had uh, Doug Forsberg came to our church uh, about a week two weeks ago now, and he was sharing about his call. And he, long story short, he he realized that there were like 82,000 people a day that were starving, mm. uh, children. Mm. And he had been to his the first game in Chiefs Stadium, and his dad just kept saying, look at all the people, look at all the people. Because the first time they'd been in a stadium that was so large, in sure. Arrowhead Stadium. Well, there are 82,000 people there. And he put those two together, and it said it broke him. Oh, goodness, yeah. And then this is what I want to get to. He said, then I let God have it. (laughs) And I told God off. Sure. And I was done being a pastor. I was like, God, if you let 82,000 people start, you're not the God who cares about the poor. You're not the God who cares about children. You're not who you say you are. And he said in that moment, all of a sudden, he just like broke, like, Mm-hmm. completely broke. And then God said to him, now you know some of my pain. But it was through that releasing of the wow. anger that he actually got his call within a call to go and plant churches in the poorest neighborhoods he could find. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a great like story. It was a great story for me to hear. But it's a great story to say to us, God can handle your anger. That's sure. Right. Like God can really handle oh, yeah. it. God is big enough to take it. Yeah. it you know, um, it's like when... Uh, my youngest son, Judah, sometimes he gets frustrated and he just goes to swinging. Um, and uh, yeah, not not the kind like you do when you're older if you're couples, right? Swinging like just right, punching. No, right? no, yes, punching. Yeah. He goes to swinging his fists. Just See, making Joe, sure, Joe. He says inappropriate you, you, things all the time. I um, have no response to that. <laughs> you so, got to be careful. Yeah, terminology is important, Michael. You got to be yeah, careful you, how you, you say things. <laughs> So Judah, Judah just goes to swinging his fist, right? Well, there you go. That's better. He hits his fist. At some point, when you have a when you have a youngin who's frustrated, you know. I mean, Joe. I'm sure Xander has probably wanted to punch something before. Um, oh yeah. And and as a father, sometimes you just you just take it, right? My kids just punch walls. I don't know about yours. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not good for your hand. I've heard. And I think, yeah, no, it's not good for your hand. But I think, I think as a father, sometimes we, we understand, you know, when my kid is frustrated, when they need to holler, when they need to scream, they're, they do it at me. Um, and sometimes it's a weird response as a, as a father. Sometimes I say, Oh no, uh-uh, I'm not one of your little friends <laughs> and you're not going to talk to me. I've that said way. the exact same yeah. thing. <laughs> and then I'm not one of your little friends. That shows what kind of age group. <laughs> I ain't one of them young whippersnappers that you hang out with. <laughs> and then, but then there's sometimes where you just, you just absorb the blow. And I think I'm at my fatherly best 
when I just absorb the blow, when I absorb the harsh mm-hmm. words, when I absorb it and I give them their space, I let them cool off, and then I approach them and I say, all right, so obviously you're mad, but you're not really mad at me. What are you really mad at? You know, And I feel like that's what my Heavenly Father does, because you know, I get mad about the 82,000 starving to death, and he says, yeah. and I say, why aren't, why aren't you doing something about that? And he says, you know, I've partnered with you to be my hands and feet. Right. Yeah. So why aren't we yeah. doing anything about that? Well, the good news is that number's down quite a bit well, from when he, that's that was in the 80s. Sure. But sure. I also think of like, you know, in any relationship, like fighting it out and fighting for it is better than not. Like walking away from it sure. is much more dangerous. I think about even like the office, like Jim and Pam are going through this really rough time and Jim wants to just not, not deal with it. And Pam's like, no, I think we should stay home and fight. <laughs> and, and, and the point is, if you just, that unvoiced lament, right? right? So if you just ignore it, you're not really having relationship. No. It's in that, that anger. It's in, in the expression of the anger that, that things get to a point where then something new can be built up. And that's kind of what we've been talking about in Ezekiel. Like it, after the fall of the people, it was like, then I can take and put a new heart in you and give you wow, a new yeah. spirit. But you have to, you have to understand that you have to be at a point where you can receive that new sure. heart and that new sure. spirit. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I think we're afraid to express anger that it might it might hurt God's feelings or it might drive him away. But the worst thing we can do is shut down and ignore yeah. God altogether Absolutely. and take those feelings and go somewhere else, lock ourselves in our room, and shut him out. Well, um, or distance ourselves from community. Yeah, from each other. Some, because, and sometimes anger drives us to do that if we don't express it. Sure it does. Well, and if we feel like if I'm angry with God, are these people still going to, like, am I going to be a bad Christian? Like, you yeah. know. On, uh, on Sunday morning, we had a, a rather sparse crowd. And uh, it was, you know, we're still doing set up and tear down every Sunday. And so everybody there was a part of set up and tear down nearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I just, you know, I said, I'm not sure. It, you know, I, can I be frustrated? Can I say, like, if, if this goes on much longer, I don't know if I'm going to be able to <laughs> keep this up. Am I okay to say that? You know, and I'm saying this to a parishioner. And I said, and so I'm frustrated with the lack of people here, but then I'm frustrated with myself for being frustrated with the lack of people here because I'm using a metric that I really say doesn't matter as much as, you know, so then I'm right uh, decide, but I have to voice all of that to understand really where I stand on this, you know, because if I just, if I just squish it down and pretend like I'm okay, then I'm doing myself a disservice. I'm doing the congregation a disservice. I'm doing my relationship with God a disservice, right? Because God knows what's going on with me, but I don't always know what's going on with me if I haven't bothered to voice it out loud. So sometimes the right. answer is, yeah. what's wrong with you? I don't know. It's an <laughs> you know, because I haven't bothered to work through it, and I think we have to work through it. So, um, yeah, you know, but I think we're afraid that if we really voice it, if we really let our anger go, that we might lose our salvation over it. Mm. Yeah, that's a good segue. Did you like that? Because we had I a, thought that was a yeah. pretty good segue. I was pretty proud of it. Because we had another question uh-huh. that was, 
uh, can you lose your salvation? And and I think this is a question people want to know. Like, like what? Inquiry like, mind. There's definitely a, a sense in which when we are saved and we're baptized in the faith, we join a family. Um, what is what is what would it mean for us to walk away from that family, to leave, to completely kind of find ourselves outside of this family we've we've entered into by the grace of God? And, and my first retort back to the question about can you lose your salvation would be, uh, well, can I gain my salvation? Like, ultimately, no. no. I mean, salvation is a work of God. Uh, we can respond to the gift of salvation, but but we can't really even gain our salvation. But I think, you know, the question uh, is has always been one, and, and I think the denominations have often wrestled over this. When I was a kid, I had a friend and he was a Baptist, and he was a, a very strict as far as, like, once you're saved, you're always saved. And to him, that meant, I can do whatever I want now. I don't have to live any certain <laughs> way because I'm saved. Yeah. And so I will never lose my salvation. Yeah. I had friends like that, too, and we would joke with each other. Of course, they used the joke more than I did, but they would remind me that their name was written in the Book of Life with pen, and my <laughs> name was written in pencil. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But we were always upset that people would would come to the vineyard, they came late, they got the same pay, but then they didn't work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Nazarene, hey, yeah. stop, <laughs> stop using the Bible. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so, like, but on the other side of the coin, like, I think when I grew up at least, and I, I can't speak for Joe, he's a little behind my time, but um, when I grew up, there was always this question, and, and evangelists knew how to use it, like, if you died tonight, did you do something <laughs> earlier today oh, yeah. that's going to keep yeah. you out of heaven because you died? And I think both of those are extremes, right? Sure. Right. If I, I mean, both yeah. of those are purely extreme. If a guy cuts me off in traffic and I yell a cuss word, which is obviously a sin, punishable by or you give him the bird, even hell, worse. Um, then uh, will that reveal a condition? Are we taking confession right now? From yeah. You? Yeah. Well, yeah. I live on thirty-five. <laughs> I thirty-five. So I do. Yes. <laughs> I do. I was on thirty-five today. Hey, Ash Wednesday was last night. Yeah, so yeah. you know, from dust <laughs> hey. you come, to dust you return. Turn from your sin, live for Christ, Michael. Right. I think anyone who lives near thirty-five uh -huh. knows that sin well. Oh yeah, yeah. we do. We know it. I was and, in and Austin traffic. Thirty-five goes all the way to Oklahoma. Yeah, That's I was right. in Austin traffic today, and um, you know that there's no reason for Austin traffic. Like, <laughs> there was no wreck up ahead. People are just, yeah. they're rubbernecking. They're gawking at something on the side of the road, and they're slowing down. And then we all have to. Because it's an armadillo, usually. It, it's, <laughs> well, we just, yeah, unfortunately, we just run those over. But Yeah, we just yeah. It, flatten them like a pancake. But, you know, I remember as a kid, this question, if I, I'm driving home from a revival service, and, yeah, and I say, this is and I say a cuss word on my way home, and then I die immediately in a car wreck. Will I go to hell? You know, it was like... Dude, <laughs> Elaine Pettit used to use that thing to the nth degree. Oh, man. Sorry, I just named names. You did? <laughs> it was like, if you died on the way home from this revival, and you had not confessed your last... Sin, you're mm -hmm. you're going straight to hell. That is but such those a transaction. Guys, like, they lived on the altar call, right? Like, yeah. They, oh yeah. They felt like they got paid more. If That's they got job more security. The altar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Guilty so Christians. Where, where, guilty Christians are yes. necessary for this those things to work. Mm. 
So, so where do what do you think to our listener who asks this, my friend Phyllis? What, what do you think is a healthy balance there? Um, well, certainly, you know, Any, either one of these. I, it seems like God is God's exercise of love is found in giving us free will, and His commitment to free will uh, is, you know, we've we've said things like God is a gentleman. You know, he, love is not coercive, and so God will never be coercive. And those, these kind of things uh, in talking about the way that God offers us free will and choice. And so ultimately, we have a choice. So I don't want to say, well, in the question, can you lose your salvation? I, you know, first off, we would say, well, can you really gain it? But then uh, I think if we're dealing with losing salvation, I think we can walk away from God. I think we can say, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't want your salvation, Lord. I don't want you to save me. I don't want to be yours, and I think we can do that in a, in a number of ways, uh, you know. So I don't want to deny that we have the free will to to walk away from. Well, God. and even the scripture that always rings in my ears in this question is Paul even says, "Unless I disqualify myself," and I'm yes. thinking, you know, this is Paul right mm-hmm. here, right? So there's definitely a a sense in which God will not force us to be his people. Yeah. Um, but by the same token, there's so m- many pictures like that prodigal's father of God, just waiting to welcome us back. If we'll just make that small turn, you know, sure. like, like it's, it's, it's definitely, there's definitely not a, a sense that you get that God well, and the scripture says that God doesn't desire that any should perish, no. even in Ezekiel, which after reading Ezekiel this week, you might be a little bit tempted to say, <laughs> well, you better keep your stuff together because there's a lot of, there's a lot of hard words in Ezekiel. Well, yeah. But even in the midst of that, he says, I desire that no one, right. no one should perish. Sure. And he, I think Ezekiel. he even desires... Salvation is such a big topic. Like when we're talking about soteriology and the way in which it applies to us, there's a lot to handle. But just narrowing that down to whether or not we can we can lose our salvation, I think you're right. I think it's problematic um, to assume that it's it's something that we hold on to, that it's uh, that it's some sort of attribute. Like oftentimes we joke about the get out of hell free card, right? Like we right, have yeah, this card, sure. and 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 God's going to take it back. Because right. we broke a rule, and now we don't have that get out of jail or get out of hell for free card. Um, but I think as we begin to see salvation more as that free uh, gift of love and grace from God that is always out ahead of us. Wesley liked to use the the prevenient grace that is always out ahead of us. Then less and less, it's this transaction between us saying a prayer and God letting us into heaven. And more and more, it's a relationship between him and his kingdom. And, and it's true. Like, we can we can walk the other way, away from his kingdom. We can turn our back to it, and we sure. can walk the other way. And yet, salvation is still present. Like, it's still just behind yeah. us. All we oh, have yeah. to do uh, is turn around. Maybe the, redemption the story... is right where you fell. Sorry, I was... I love it when you sing. Switch. <laughs> I love that. Switch. <laughs> you have a song for every topic. Yeah. I love that. 
That's a that is a gift from the Lord, bro. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you. think But so. even the story of the of the prodigal son, and the prodigal son comes, you know, comes kind of back to his father, and the father runs to him. That story is 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 around two other stories of the same nature, mm-hmm. in which uh, a coin is lost, and the owner does everything they can to find it, or the sheep that wanders away, and the shepherd does everything it can to go get that one. I think it's important for us to remember. Uh, that our salvation is is in God's pursuit of us, yeah. not necessarily what we've done to be found. Uh, yeah, that, and so to that degree, that was brought up this week that, that God is has been seeking us. Right. We think we talk about seeking God. God has been seeking us, and I I think definitely uh, salvation is something that. Well, a lot of the questions that we get as pastors have a lot to do with this idea. Who's going to be in and who's going to be out? Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. You know? Like, yeah. like that's the that's the big final question. So, so I think there's a couple of things we could always say there. And the one is, um, instead of worrying about like if we're going to be out, just draw near to the end, right? Like, yeah. draw near to God. Like, draw as close as you can, and God will give you everything you need. But also, like maybe even concerning loved ones and people. Like when I do a funeral. I'm always going to say, you know, we leave this person to the grace of God. Because like you said, God may choose to reward people in the last hour the same way, you know, he does in Scripture. So what that means, I don't know. What that looks like, I don't know. All I know is God is much more gracious than I am. Right. Sure. (laughs) Sure. God is by far in a way, I mean, beyond any kind of graciousness we can imagine. So... We don't want to take advantage of that, but we also know that that is real. Like that, that Christ will be gracious uh, to on whom He wants to be gracious, and so that there is some comfort in knowing that if we're in the family, we're in the family. Like, like there's not like this this thing that we have to worry about getting kicked out of the family. Right. But if we want to run away from home and leave then God doesn't stop that, right? right? That's that's the story of the prodigal son. Like, I'm yelling at the father, like, you're an idiot. Don't give the kid your inheritance. Don't let that kid run away. Keep him in the house, you know? Um, but, but God is a, a loving parent who isn't going to hold someone there by coercion. So right. I love C.S. Lewis kind of picture of all things at the end where it's like, the person, two people experience Jesus or, or God, the Holy Spirit, the, the Trinity, and one of them experiences bliss and the other one experiences torment almost because they can't, they have turned in on themselves so much that even the love of God feels threatening or, or whatever you want to say. So he calls it the great divorce or whatever. But, but it's, you know, so I think we can turn ourselves so far inward that then even... We kind of we we say in our hearts we don't want to be part of the family, but right. I don't think God kicks people out or no or the, you know, throws chair. people yeah. into hell. And we're worried all the time that we're going to be the person who gets. I mean that that conversation almost always has to do with us, sure right? Like we're worried that we're the person who's going to get kicked out of the boat. I think it's Donald Miller who uses that uh, that philosophical question of there's ten people on a life raft, but there's only room for nine. And so you have a preacher and you have a tax, you know, somebody works for the IRS and you have a mom and you have a baby and you have a teacher and a doctor and you have to make the decision in that boat, 
who's the person that's going to get kicked out so that everyone else can survive? So is the tax guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> easy, right? Um, but it's in the kingdom of God. It's a silly question because nobody has to be kicked has out. Has to, of the yeah. yeah. There's always there's always room a seat. The there's always room at the table, and I think that's the key. We have to remember that if you get up and leave the table, your chair's still there. Still there. Yeah. Well. Was it you, Joe, that we're talking about in, in Revelation, even the gates are always the open, gates. but there's still people outside? Right, yeah, one of the final images we have uh, of the kingdom of God, of heaven itself, is, is the city of Zion having descended down upon Jerusalem, and the gates are now wide open, uh-huh. and all peoples from all nations can come and be a part of heaven uh, on earth, and there's still people sitting outside the walls. Um, there's the dogs and the witches and the kings, and they want no part or can't see it, right. maybe, yeah. of what's inside. C.S. Lewis deals with that in The Last Battle in his Chronicles of Narnia, where he has these these dwarfs who say the dwarfs are for the dwarfs, and they're sitting in the shed that has actually become a portal to Aslan's country. But they're sitting on the ground, and they think they're sitting in a shed, but they're actually sitting in Aslan's country. They think huh. they're surrounded by... A feast, a table that's covered in slop and the things that you would find in a stable, like hay and and horse apples and things like that, and dirty water. When in fact, there is a a table set in front of them, and all they have to do is Mm -hmm. open their hearts to the idea that Aslan has set a table in front of them. But But the dwarfs are for the dwarfs. We don't want no Aslan. We don't want no Tash. The dwarfs are for the dwarfs. And because they are, they can't see the kingdom that, that is there for them. And I think that's how salvation works. It's always right, right there. We just have to have our eyes open to the fact that it's right there. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I definitely think when you come back to the question, um, obviously it's one that is really hard to answer because none of us are God as far as like, but I think there is... I know that's this, hard for you to admit, yeah. Nate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... Um, <laughs> No, but I think, you know, there's, God loves us so much that any relational kind of relationship that, with, that's filled with love has to have the possibility for someone to be able to walk away. Sure. Like God has already told us God won't walk away from us. God has made that really clear yes. in like continuing with Israel all throughout their mess yeah. and sending, I mean, becoming man walking on the earth, dying in our place. You know, the the whole thing, God has said, I'm not giving up on this relationship. And that kind of goes back to the arguing. God, God's even willing to let us yell a little bit. But God won't give up on the relationship. But I think in order for it to be a relationship, there has to be the possibility that we can. Absolutely. I think so. I agree. And I hope that we will be like God and say, we're not giving up either. Yeah. No matter yeah. if things go well or if I have a rough year um, that, that will say, I'm going to stick this out. And even if I have to fight a little and yell a little and get mad, and this yeah. is all coming back around. Look how I'm pulling Ooh, this back around. <laughs> even you if I have to kind of let God have it, yeah. um, I'm, I'm going to stick with this thing and I'm just not going to give up. And I'm not going to give up on the relationship. And sometimes it may feel like bliss. In eternal bliss, and sometimes it may feel almost like I'm in hell. Yeah. But even there, even in the place of the dead, sure. 
I am with you. Yeah. Psalm 23 Psalm says, man, yeah. I'm going to start preaching. There you go. There you go. I remember um, one. I need Curly here. One time. Curly's my amener and my omer and my, yeah. One time my, my dad made me do something that like he was making me do a chore or something like that. And uh, I said, I don't want to do that. I had other plans. And he said, well, son, I need you to do this. And I said, I hate you. And I stormed off. I was a teenager. And that night, uh, and he left me alone. He just let me slam the door and stay in my room. And that night, we all took separate cars and went to church. It was Wednesday night. And I remember... Praise God. I was in hell. I was in hell. Like, through the whole thing. Now... Uh, you know, that may be overstating it a bit, just to be honest, you know, in hell. You were but miserable. I was miserable. Yeah. I was miserable. And I was creating my own uh, misery, just thinking how I had been so hateful to my dad, and he hadn't done anything to deserve it. And I remember I left our our youth, uh, you know, worship service or whatever at the end of it, and uh, and found my dad. He was walking out, and he was looking for me. And I was looking for him. And we met in the foyer of the church. And he, he put his arm around me and he guided me out the front door and he said, let's talk, son. And we walk around the edge of the building so it's kind of a private conversation because there's people everywhere. And he says, uh, uh, I'm sorry. And I said, you're sorry? I'm the one who said <laughs> I hate you. Like, I did not mean that, Dad. I don't know why I said that. And I was I was coming back to apologize, to earn my way back in with my dad. And my dad was meeting me with love and grace. I think provenient grace, the grace that goes before, is the answer to just about every question we have. Um, (laughs) You know, God's grace goes before and after and through and all around, you know, (laughs) like, so yeah, we're whatever wherever you are. If you're worried you've lost your salvation, if you worry that your salvation hangs in the balance, God wants to rescue you. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, any last words, Joe? It's really been good having you yeah, with me. It it's been really cool for me to get to hang out with Joe again. Every time it's a lot of fun, but yes, really, it's really cool for really me to get to hear guy. how y'all go to tropical places. You know, you've been in Hawaii and you go <laughs> yeah. to San Diego. And I, uh, it's just a pleasure to be a part of the podcast. I'm an avid listener <laughs> and I'm uh, just thankful to be here and get well, a chance to speak a little. Once they hear you, we may be out of No jail. lie. Well, they're going to be like, man, Joe knows words Sorry, like... shut this thing down. Joe knows things like soteriology and things like that. And oh, yeah, my, I did yeah. word drop there. That's okay. I'm sorry. I'm in... I'm in master's mode right now. Yeah. you got to know the big words. No, it's a good word. Right. The big it's a good word. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. We, we're proud of him either way. Oh, even if he did try to one-up us with his verbiage. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even think of a word better than verbiage. <laughs> Hey, well, we're gonna go. Right. Uh, we're gonna go watch a movie tonight and have have some more fun without you. So. Oh well. Love you, brother. Love you too. Take All care, right. Have man. a good evening. Y'all take care. See you. Bye. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.